There's not a friend like the holy Jesus. No. And he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, take now, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And it goes right into verse number 3, but you can't tell me there wasn't a long night in verse number 2. The Bible says that Abraham just immediately starts doing what God asked him to do in verse number 3, and that's tremendous, and that's great. And I wish it always worked like that in my life, but you can't tell me that Abraham wasn't battling something, Miss Anita, that night of verse number 2. But it goes on to say in verse number 3, And Abram rose up early in the morning, he saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose up, and he went into the place which God had told him. Then, verse number 4 says, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Verse number 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. Verse number 7 is where we'll pull our text from this morning. This is a, a statement, a question really, that Isaac makes that is a, a pretty legitimate ask. It's a pretty good question. And Isaac begins to walk with his father. And this is what he said with the herald. Verse number 7, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and he said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. 
So they went both of them together. Lord, we thank you this morning, God, for your spirit. Thank you, God, for God, the liberty to preach this morning. I thank you, God, for those opening their mouth, God, and singing this morning, God, and those that opened their heart and testified to you this morning, not about man, God, not about things of this earth, God, but about you, God, and you're, you alone are worthy. And we thank you this morning, God, for our church. Thank you for our pastor. I pray, God, you protect him as he travels and all the other families, God, that may not be on their pew this morning, that may be watching live streamed or watching via the Internet or however they're listening this morning by phone or whatever means or listening later. I pray you continue to bless our church, God, put a hedge of protection protection about our church. God, I know, God, the enemy outside of this place hates everything that's happened here this morning, but I thank you, God, for a sanctuary. We can come together, God, and magnify, God, get our batteries charged and live for you. I pray for this text, God, you'd help it come alive in our hearts and our lives. God, you'd open our eyes, God, as we journey onto these pages this morning, and we'll thank you and we'll praise you. In your name I pray. Amen. Many of you, and I know this is the book of Genesis, but I don't want to take for granted, if I were to say, you know, if I were to say Jonah, most of these kids would yell out the whale. If I were to say David, they're going to yell out Goliath. If I were to say Moses, they'd say the Red Sea or serpent on a staff or something. And most of the time when I say Genesis 22, when I think here of the offering of, of Isaac, we immediately, our, our mind goes back, Brother Wayne, to this story and this passage. And we've colored these pictures, we've connected the dots, we've done all of these things out of this text. But what hurt, what not hurt, what what burdened my heart, even so the past couple of weeks about dealing here with Isaac and Abraham, was the question that, Abraham, that Isaac asked in verse number 7. To get us to this point, I'm not going to go back, but if you begin to read verse number 1, the Bible says, and it came to pass after these things. That means we need to look back in Genesis chapter number 21, or Genesis chapter number 20 this morning, Malachi, to find out what is after these things. Well, up to this point, to kind of give you a, a, a rocket ship or a, a cliff notes, if you will, of where we are, Genesis chapter number 22 is leading after, coming after Genesis chapter number 17 and verse number 15, where God begins through verse number 19. God begins and he makes a promise to Abraham. He promises Isaac from the Lord. He says, you're going to have a son in your old age. You'll remember that they actually laughed, Brother Harold, at him because uh, Abraham, he's done sold like, like, like us. He's already had his yard sale and sold the baby beds. He sold the cribs. He sold the hobby horses. He sold the bottles. And, and he's now in retirement age. I mean, he's ready to buy his Mustang and have two seats instead of four seats. And he wants to see the kids once a year. And the best part about grandkids coming is when grandkids leave. And that's what my dad says a lot of times, by the way. But you don't have to keep all four at one time, Brother Allen, by yourself. But either way, it's like war there and Abraham is well past having children doesn't mean that he didn't have a desire to have a child doesn't mean that him and Sarah doesn't have a desire we know they fell into things and they jumped to conclusions and they took matters into their own hand there with Hagar but in Genesis 17 God makes a promise to, to Abraham that he's going to have a son by the name of Isaac and he gives him instructions of what all he's going to bless him with and how the lands and the, and the genealogy and all of that man Abraham's just taking it in almost in unbelief Miss Maddie, but then comes the birth of Ishmael. Ishmael is the direct uh, disobedience, and basically, and Sarah and Abraham, and Sarah saying, listen, I can't have a child, so this woman can't have a child. So instead of seeking what God would have them to do, we know that Abraham and another lady, a handmaid, had a child together by the name of Ishmael. And by the way, Brother Wayne, that's why there's so much war still over there today. They'll never cease. It'll never cease because of these two boys and having two different families. It was not God's plan. It was not God's intention, but it was man's quickness and jumping to conclusions that caused that and it'll still happen today so we see the promise of Isaac we see the birth of Ishmael chapter number 20 Abraham has lied to Elimelech right here before us Abimelech is coming and he basically for fear of his life he tells him that Sarah is his sister so here the Elimelech takes Sarah and 
and plans to uh, make her his wife and take her as his. And finally, the Lord comes to him in a dream and he says, listen, you're basically, he says, you're a dead man. And I'm paraphrasing this morning because this woman belongs to this man and it is his wife. We know that he confronts Abraham and says, why would you do this to me? And right before we get to chapter number 22, they make a covenant together there at Bathsheba. And you can read all of this, and I promise you I'm pulling it from the King James, but it's all there before you. But that gets us to where verse number 1 of chapter 22 says, And after after this come to pass, these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon which one of them on one of the mountains in which I will tell thee. So a lot has taken place here this morning, Jeremy, before we get to Genesis chapter 22. I thought about some important things to think about if we dive into this this morning and go home quickly. Isaac was precious to Abraham and Sarah for a few reasons. He was precious by the herald because of their age. It is something that they had prayed for. Many of you may not ever know, some of you may, and I'm not making light of it, and I know we've been there before as well, but when you're praying for a child, that's a heavy prayer. One of the greatest prayer warriors in our scripture was a lady that was praying for a child by the name of Hannah. Hannah could teach all of us how to pray. She prayed to Brother Harold and she couldn't even speak anymore because she wanted something so bad. She got to the point where she said, God, if you'll give him to me, I'll give him back to you. No doubt there had been many nights that Sarah had seen other women have children and the mockery and the, and the blasphemy got just the emptiness of saying, man, I love my husband and I can't give him this. And I, I know that and I get that and I'm not belittling that. But he was precious to them because of their age. He was precious to them because of God's promises. I mean, could you imagine that night? And I didn't have any visions before Malachi was born. I might ate too many chicken wings or something, but I didn't have any visions. And the Lord coming to me, Brother Jason, and saying, this is what I'm going to do with his life. And as a parent, when God tells you that I'm going to make a great nation out of your child, that does something for you. And that, that, that inspires you to say, man, this child is special. This child is something that's, that's, that, that's worth being proud of. This child is something that's worth serving God for. So he was precious because of their old age. He was precious because of their promise. But he was also precious because of his future, what they were going to get to see God do with him. I mean, it's like sitting back and watching knowing that God is going to do something with your child because he's promised this. So the Bible says in verse number 2 that God instructs him here and tests him to basically take his only son. And I believe it's in there just the same as it is in, uh, in John three sixteen. I believe he didn't say, hey, I, hey Abraham, take one of your sons because Isaac wouldn't have been the one that he picked. Let's just be honest. Brother Abraham, one of your sons has got to die, so please take them. No, the Bible gets direct, God gets direct in his heart, and he says, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Now, wait a minute. Why in the world, Miss Maddie, would God request Isaac's life, knowing how precious he was to Abraham? Now, I'm not preaching this morning necessarily on the sacrifice, but can I tell you, I believe with all my heart that Abraham knew, and I believe that he believed, Brother Harold, if God were to take Isaac's life, He would have to raise him back from the dead because he'd already made promises of what this young man was going to do. And God is not a liar, and God cannot lie. But as a father, I can't imagine, Brother Allen, listening to God tell me to take my child and lay him on the altar and sacrifice him. When we walk on to our text here in chapter number 22, and I've said all that to get you to this point this morning, we walk on to our text this morning, and verse 1 and 2 are some of the most numbing, almost numbing as a reader. We begin to read this, and immediately I think about my two boys. I think about other children in this church and, and the heaviness that has been here. 
after all that's been said that would happen to this young man's life and after everything that God's promised, how in the world could God ask Abraham to give his son for a sacrifice? Nevertheless, Abraham obeys God walking by faith. There is no gap between verse number 2 and verse number 3. And I'm not adding to the scripture a while ago when I said I believe there was a heaviness, but I believe all with all my heart as a father. I mean, could you imagine Abraham, whether he told Sarah or not, I don't know, but could you imagine having delivered that nude to the mother of your child that tomorrow we're going to, just as we went many times before, we're going to have a burnt offering. We're going to offer sacrifice for our sins, but tomorrow it's going to be our child that's going to be the sacrifice. But nevertheless, Abraham walks by faith. This morning, there's one verse, as I've said in verse number 7, that I'd like to draw our attention to just for a second briefly before we go home. I want you to notice Isaac in this verse has a realization, Brother Wayne, about this situation. He begins to take inventory of what's with his father. And he, but no doubt he's done this many times before because he knows what's needed. He begins to take inventory and do an inventory check sheet. And he gets down to everything is there but the sacrifice. Verse says, Isaac spoke to his Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and, Abraham, and he said, Here am I, my son. Notice this. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham and Isaac here walking by themselves. The men have, and the beasts have been pushed back, and there's nobody there but them. And no doubt the wood's on Isaac and the flames in Abraham's hand by the way. But Isaac begins to look around and he says this. This is what I'm preaching on just for a second this morning. On this thought, something's missing. Brother Brandon, what do you mean by something's missing? Isaac is looking around. And he said, listen, I know I got my clothes on. I know I got my shoes on. I know that it's sunny outside. I know my dad's with me. I know where we're going. I see the knife. I see the fire. I see the wood. But something is missing. And as any child would do or any person would do, they begin to ask questions about what's missing. The, the truth and reality about what this statement is saying is here, there was something that was missing, Brother Allen, that only God could provide. That's it. I tell you, sometimes in your life, there's going to be things in your life, Jonathan, this morning, that there's going to be certain voids in your life, certain things that must be in your life that only God can help you with. Abraham had no backup plan. Abraham didn't say, boys, bring a lamb. And right at the time, listen, if this don't work out, bring that lamb up here so I can sacrifice it. There was no plan B. God said, do it. Abraham said, I've got the knife, I've got the fire, I've got the wood, and I'm going to be sure that I'm going to follow after God. You'll actually find when they get to the top of the hill that he stripes Isaac down. I don't know what went on. I don't know what was said. The Bible doesn't say. I don't know the confusion. I can't see Isaac looking into his father's eyes. But as he straps him down to that altar and he draws back that knife, I know the Bible says that the angel of the Lord stopped him and he would have, he would have literally sacrificed his son, but he stopped him and then there all of a sudden caught in a thicket was the sacrifice. And I tell you, God never intended, and I'm not going to paint a bad picture, and we're, not, we're, not, we're kind of looking at the end before we get into the meat. I don't ever want to paint a bad picture about this, this thing, but it was reality here, Brother Allen, that there was to be a sacrifice, but only God could provide a sacrifice. Do you realize if Isaac had lost his life that day, it would, not have been just, it would not have been sufficient to cover the sin of Abraham. It would have only been a temporal sacrifice every year, every lamb. There was nothing that could take the place of their sin permanently. But on that day, a picture here of Abraham and Isaac walking up one side of Mount Moriah, and that lamb walking up the other side of Mount Moriah is a picture of Calvary. Because on that day, there was a lamb that was slain that will never have to be repeated. It will never have to be duplicated because he is more than enough to cover our sins. Brother Brandon, I understand this, and I'm thankful for this. And you did preach 40 messages and one message in a matter of 15 minutes that I get that. 
But Isaac's question has been resonating in my heart all week on something's missing. Behold the fire, behold the wood, where's the lamb? Father, we're missing something. Look at me. We're missing something. What Isaac would soon realize is that there's some things in your life and in his life that only God can provide. He understood that there was some crucial pieces to this sacrifice, and one of them was missing. Brother Brandon, what's that got to do with my life this morning, and how's it going to help me in just a few moments on Sunday morning to go all about my Christian walk? We were to apply this to our life this morning, and if we were to take this same situation in our life, not speaking of a sacrifice, but speaking of things that are missing. Brother Alan, I began to think about this this year, and I even taught on wisdom a little bit this morning in Sunday school to both classes. And over the past 34 years of my life, more, more indirectly as, the, as of December, the first Sunday of December, this year being 10 years here of ministry at Faith, I've learned that there are only four. You say, Brother Brandon, I could argue that there's more, and you can argue, that's fine. But there's four, Brother Wayne, irreplaceable truths or elements to being a successful Christian or a successful church member. It's just four. Brother Brandon, what are the requirements for being a Sunday school teacher? What are the requirements for being a Bible school teacher? What's the requirements of doing this? What do I got to do to make sure that my life is being used of Christ? And how does that apply here to Genesis 22? Well, Isaac realized that something was missing, that this sacrifice could not take place without a sacrifice. Can I tell you, this morning I thought about it in my life, and there's been times that I've struggled with these, but there's four areas this morning that is crucial. They're so simple, Brother. It's almost comical, Brother Harold, but there's four areas in our life that must be present if I want God to use me. Can I tell you, that's why I'm here this morning. I'm not here to lead the choir. I told Miss Janet I felt like the guy at the fair this morning with the unicycle and the bagpipes and the, and the horn chirping, and I tried to get Brother Jason to sing, and he walked by a while ago, and he just said, I'm praying for you, and he kept walking, but... I mean, I, I think about it in my life, there's some things that's missing, but when I think about, you know, why God, even the little bit that he gets to use me, why he uses me, or why I see God use this, all four of these things are evident in everyone's life, because if something's missing, we'll be out of place. Brother Brandon, what are you talking about in our, in our life? If any of these are missing, we as Christians are without a doubt, are unusable, ineffective, deflating, and worst, worst of all, we are a hindrance to the cause of Christ. Brother Brandon, I don't want to be a hindrance. I don't want anything to be missing in my life. Isaac noticed something was missing. Can I tell you this morning, maybe, just maybe, we can work on something here in our life together. Brother Brandon, what do I need to make sure is present in my life? Just four, lightning quick, and I'll get you. You can beat everybody else to the chicken place or wherever you're going. Number one, can I tell you four key elements, Brother Wayne, of being uh, used of God and, being, and having everything in our life to be used of God, just to be ready to be willing. Number one, salvation must be in your life. Brother Brandon, that's so simple. Can I tell you, every one of these is found in this text. But salvation. Brother Brandon, I want God to use my life. I want to be something. I want, well, I want to be used at the church. I want to be used in ministry. I want to be used for my family. I want to be used and used and used. If we're not saved, we cannot be used of God. Now, Brother Brandon, I, told, I, taught, I actually taught part of these on Wednesday night. They didn't get the whole message, but I said that they argue and they would say they don't argue. I don't ask them questions because they will argue, but I understand this. You say, well, Brother Brandon, I know somebody that, that wasn't saved and they still led someone to the Lord. You could, you could be true. Brother Brandon, I know somebody that, that wasn't even saved and, and their life led somebody to Christ. I'm not, I'm not going to argue that, but can I tell you to be an effective, powerful, meaningful, useful, everyday Christian, you've got to be saved. Brother Harold, I could lead the whole world to the Lord and die lost, and it's been all for vain. Well, Brother Brandon, all them people get to go to heaven, but if I'm not saved, I've missed everything. 
Now, I'm standing in the pulpit this morning, Brother Jason, but if God met, dealt with my heart this morning about salvation, I ought to be able to swallow my pride, grab Brother Harold by the hand, and get saved. Because just because I'm wearing a suit this morning doesn't mean that I'm going to heaven. Brother Brandon, I've been a Sunday school teacher forever, and everybody, I understand that. I've led thousands and hundreds and thousands of people to the Lord, and everyone watches my life. But can I tell you, enough is enough. And looking at this and thinking about this, you say, Brother Brandon, everybody here this morning saved, and I hope so, but I'm thankful for the soul that was saved last Sunday. And getting that message down there, I'm thankful for everyone that was here last Sunday that, that was saved, and maybe they even left lost that God's still dealing with their heart. But salvation is the key to everything. It unlocks everything in our heart. Brother Brandon, what took place here? There was a sacrifice in chapter number 22 that had to take place. You realize this, and I've said it over and over, but I'm going to repeat it again. Somebody's got to pay for your life. They do. Every one of us have a sin debt. And Isaac's life could have been taken that day, Brother Harold, but it would not have been sufficient to save the world. That lamb that was sacrificed that day, even though it was a picture of Christ, that particular lamb on that particular day was not enough to take away the sin of all the world. There's only been one crucifixion. There's only been one resurrection that took the place of my sin. I'm thankful that personally I've accepted him as my Savior. Brother Brandon, how do I know that I'm saved? Has there ever been a time in your life, not when 40 other people, and if you got saved in a group, I'm not belittling that, but not when 40 or 50 people made a decision to move forward, not when, not when your whole row went, not when your mom told you you had to go, but has there ever been a time that you've personally been convicted by Christ, saw yourself as a sinner, knew that without heaven you spend eternity in hell, and you've asked the Lord to save you? It doesn't just rub off on you. We were talking there before church how close you had to be to somebody to get sick, and I don't know how close you got to be. I don't want to find out how close you got to be to somebody to get sick. I don't know if you're breathing on me, you're too close. But I don't want to get sick. But salvation isn't necessarily contagious. Those binding the Lord can unlock several more movements. I get that. But I can't get saved just rubbing up against Brother Harold or coming under the protection of a church or coming and say, you know what, I've been a charter member of this church since it's been here or I've been, this is my first Sunday here or I've never, I've never been here before in my life. It doesn't matter where you've been or how long you've gone. Salvation is not based on work. Salvation is not based on popularity. Salvation is not based on tombstones. Salvation is not based on family and heritage and all that's important. There had to be a time that it wasn't Keith and it wasn't Melanie and it wasn't Tyler, but that it was Brandon choosing to choose Christ as a savior can i tell you this morning if you're searching on why your life's empty and why god's not using your life can i tell you if something's missing and it's salvation you're never going to get it right because you can't get it right salvation is not of man salvation is of the lord salvation must be present isaac's life would have never been enough you can't be used of god if you've never accepted him as your savior Brother Brandon, I feel like all I'm doing is fighting an uphill battle. I never can get any peace, never can get any joy, never can get any happiness, never can get any assurance, never can get anything. Can I tell you, it'd be simple enough to trust him as a child, as a child. But Alan, I can't tell you the number of times I've led someone to the Lord, and this is their statement when we get up. I never realized it was so easy to get saved. It's just asking. It's God convicting your heart and just asking. So salvation cannot be missing in your life. Isaac, again, out of our text verse, he realized something was missing. Salvation can't be missing. Number two, quickly, faithfulness cannot be missing in your life. Brother Brandon, what do you mean? Faithfulness. 
what matters the most. I'm not preaching this today to, to be little. Or I know half our church, it's a great day to preach on faithfulness. But uh, listen, the choir director's gone, the pastor's gone, and, and uh, had somebody come in and say, man, we, we, we've been wanting to hear Brother Brian preach for a long time. And I said, well, uh, you've got to come back again next Sunday because he ain't here this Sunday. But not preaching on faithfulness to single out our choir director or our preacher this morning, but I'm thankful his wife's faithful to church, at least that. So either way, and, uh, and I appreciate she's parked in this parking spot back there. So we got a pastor this morning. She's just driving a Nissan instead of a Toyota. But can I tell you this morning, faithfulness is something that will help you more in your Christian life. After salvation is faithfulness. You're not always going to have everything together. You're not always going to have everything, all your I's dotted and your T's crossed in your life. But I've learned this even when I'm a mess. If I'll be a mess sitting four rows back on that end right there, God will still help me. We're not perfect. You know what a church is? A church is a lot of things, Brother Harold. It can be a battleground, hopefully not between each other, but it can be a battleground. It can be a lighthouse, but it can be a hospital. A lot of people come through that door, and everything looks perfect in their heart, but they barely drug themselves into a pew because they're needing God to do something in their life. That might be you this morning. Brother Brand, I'm running on empty I'm running on empty financially. I'm running on empty mentally. I'm running on empty spiritually. I'm running on empty emotionally. I'm just an emotional mess. I mean, I am a mud puddle of emotions. But you brought yourself to church. Can I tell you when God will help you? I didn't know. By the way, we talked for service. I said, he said, we might have a huddle this morning instead of a congregation. I said, maybe we'll have a huddle. But the choir began to sing. I began to feel the Lord. Miss Linda bragged on the Lord. Miss Anita bragged on the Lord. Brother Carlton bragged on the Lord. All of a sudden, God began to show me, you just show up to church. I'll take care of the rest because faithfulness will unlock a lot of things in your life. But when it's missing, you'll always struggle. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't dare say names. And I, you say, is, is this somebody in our church? I ain't telling you. Maybe for a hundred bucks, I'll tell you. I'm just kidding. But, but, but either way, I've had people come to me before, and I've been part of multiple youth groups, and I've heard this all my life growing up. As a youth pastor, it breaks my heart, kind of enrages me a little bit, Brother Brian. But this, Brother Brian, I said the same thing. Me and Miss Anita both call people Brother Brian this morning, but. Brother Allen, they'll come to me, and, and, I, and I get it, and I, I do get it. Let me tell you something, and I, and I say this as youth people because I'm a youth pastor, but it goes the same for our church as well. Isaac realized something was missing that was crucial. We've got to have salvation, but dealing with faithfulness. Ms. Janet, I've had people come to me before, and I've heard them say to my dad, I just wish that I'd be accepted at church, or I just wish my young person would be accepted into the youth, in the youth group. I wish that they would fit into the youth group. Can I tell you the best way to make that happen? They've got to be here. We, we've got to be here. Brother Brian, Brother Brian, I don't ever get anything out of church. Well, let me tell you, once every two months, you ain't going to get everything, anything out of church. Now, I know vacation. I understand it. My wife's obsessed with that mouse in Florida. We go, we go on vacation. I get it. Okay? All I do is just throw money at that mouse, and he smiles and takes it. And, and, and you know, I get it. All right? I understand vacation. I understand it. I, I'm all for that. But I'm talking about, listen, I want, I want my boys to know that, that more Sundays than not, that their daddy was in church. It does something for me. It does something for my family. It does something. It's not perfect. Can I tell you, sometimes I come, and I don't have the right spirit. I'll just be honest with you, but here I come, I don't have the right attitude. These times I come to choir practice, and I'm still asleep from my nap before I get to choir practice. And I'm here, and I ain't got a clue what he's singing about to about the third line we get to it, because I'm, and I'm just want to still be in the bed, because I was taking a good nap. But can I tell you, the, the day that I realized that my faithfulness, and I'm not being ugly, I'm just trying to help you. If it's missing in your life, it's not going to hurt anybody else but yourself. We've got to be faithful in order for God to help us in our life. It can't be missing. Faithfulness is key to being faithful.
I wouldn't dare want to come to church and a visitor say, you know, a visitor welcome you to church, say, hey, we're glad to have you, and you've been coming here for 20 years. And uh, that, that ain't going to work. All right, guys, we've got to be faithful. So things that can't be missing, salvation, faithfulness. Number three, quickly, Isaac noticed something was missing, but I thought about things that can't be missing in our life. Separation can't be missing from our life. That offering was important to that sacrifice, just as separation is important in the life of a Christian. There must be a difference. Why am I not making a difference? Why do I have no power? Why do I never excel in the things of Christ? Why do I struggle with that? Can I tell you, there's got to be a separation. And I know sometimes it hurts, especially as a teenage life. But the Brandon, we, we preach to them, oh, just live for the Lord at school and don't worry about anybody else. That's a big deal. High school's a big deal. Middle school's worse than high school. It's a big deal to come and to be accepted and just fit in. And you'll, be, you'll realize this. Those that you think that, you say, but the Brandon, I mean, this, this child's evil and they're mean and they're, they're messed up and they have no chance and their family's messed up. You know, all they're, wanting, all they're trying to do is fit in with somebody and somebody accepted them and they've embraced it. But that ain't who they really want to be inside their heart. That ain't what they have a desire to be inside their heart, but somebody accepts them. You know what we need to be as a church, as a youth group, and as kids that come and, and that ride? I tell them, I don't care if you ride your lawnmower, your camel, your, your bus, your van, or however you get to church. And don't tell me you don't ride lawnmowers. I see people in East Bend riding lawnmowers around all the time down Main Street. I think a guy the other day coming in on the wrong side of the road. I'm thinking, what is he doing? Then I remembered where I was. I was in East Bend, so it's acceptable. But either way, my point, my point is simply this. There's got to be a separation. Now, I may not ever be the most popular person to Liam and Finley and Jonathan and Jeremy and Natalie. I may never, never be someone that they think about, man, the, the coolest or the most popular person in the world, that's who he is. But I want them to know that there's a difference. I want them to know we accept everybody that comes in that door, Brother Allen, but when they come in here, they ought to sense a difference about serving Christ. I don't want to be like what they see out there because that gives me no pulling power. I want to be something that's different. But separation is very important in our Christian life. We have to have a separation, something that's different from the Lord. I tell our kids all the time quickly, and I'm closing quickly, if I've got to wear a T-shirt that says I am a Christian, for everybody to know that I'm a Christian, I'm not much of a Christian. If I've got to wear a shiny necklace that blinks and spins that says I love Jesus, and that's the only way they know that I love Jesus, I don't really love Jesus. But if I'll separate myself, and I'll be different, and I'll trust the Lord, and I'll get my family ready, and I'll come to church, and I'll show faithfulness, my kids know that I'm saved. I said this at Brother Penley's. Let me tell you, Malachi ought to know my testimony, Brother Allen, as good as I know it. He ought to be able to tell somebody how his dad got saved. They ought to know that. They ought to know that. Salvation, faithfulness, separation, and lastly, which is a big one, and it's unpopular, but can I tell you one of the more than ever in my life? Brother Brandon, these are the ingredients. If, if Brother Brian's ever going to ask me to teach anything, salvation, faithfulness, separation, and number four, loyalty is something that's got to be in our life. We're living in a day where there is zero, I'm not talking about in our, in our church, we, I'm thankful we stand behind our pastor, but there's zero loyalty, zero. Brother Brandon, what do you mean in life? We'll be for something until something better comes along. And we'll stand for something, Brother Wayne, until something better comes along, and then we'll drop it, just like it doesn't matter. Could I tell you, a Christian, a father, a preacher, a youth pastor, but an individual that wants to have the power of God on their life cannot be missing loyalty. Stand for something. Fairweather fans, we, we see them all the time. It never, it, it amuses me. Jesse, you understand this. We get close to Super Bowl time. We get close to World Series time. If people put on hats that they, that they ain't owned for two weeks, and say, I've always been a Braves fan. I've always been a Phillies fan. I mean, you, I, mean I don't know who went the farthest last year in the tournament, but it could be San Jose State or your mom university, somebody way out in the desert. 
and somebody's always wearing their hat on ESPN. They ain't nobody pulling for that school until they get to the end. They just want to be part of the winners. I've seen Clemson's fans jump to this. I've seen it don't matter what it is. I ain't never seen any Duke and Carolina fans flop. That's a little bit too bad blood. But it could be something. You say, man, I've always been an NC State fan. I've always been a Vanderbilt fan. No, we pull for whoever's got the momentum and going. Me and Malachi watched football last night, and West Virginia was playing Penn State, and it didn't go too good for the Mountaineers. He said, who are you pulling for? I said, West Virginia. But I really didn't care. I didn't, I didn't go paint my face and put a WV. I didn't get my Mountaineer coontail and put it on my hat. I didn't, do, I didn't go all out because I'm not a West Virginia fan. But can I tell you, as Christians, it's the same way. When God's moving with a movement, we'll jump on that movement. When God's not moving, we'll jump to something else. Can I tell you, I want to be part of Faith Community Baptist Church through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I want our pastor to know, and I want our church to know that no matter what comes, high water, low water, big winds, no winds, that we're going to make it through it. There's a lot of churches that fall apart, Miss Linda, because nobody's got loyalty to their church. I said this, and I'm, I'm jokingly... I guess Miss Christie took care of this for me. Y'all think I'm crazy. Miss Caitlin, you come to the piano because this will probably kill the service right here. But I told him in Sunday school, talking about what's missing in our, our church, and I'm not nothing. And I, and I know my family gets used here in the past 10 years. Being here has been the best of my life. And I, I want to be with Brother Brian for all eternity. And I'm thankful for that. But I told him in Sunday school, I came this morning, and I, I got here a little bit early. And talking about being loyal and talking about knowing your place. There's a time to lead. There's a time to follow. There's a time to shine. There's a time to just to be a helpful worker. And don't, if you've parked here before, don't, don't criticize yourself. Miss Chrissy took care of it for me. But I pulled in this morning, and I almost, I said, I got a guitar to carry. I got a, a horn to carry. I'm playing the trumpet, the flute this morning. I'm leading the choir, going to preach, going to teach Sunday school. I got a wagon to pull in. I said, I'm going to park in Brother Brian's parking spot and, and just because I got a lot to carry. And you say, this is crazy. But I pulled around the church, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, you're not the pastor. Don't park in his spot. So I took Brother Evan's spot. No, I'm just kidding. But, but I, I pulled around, and I parked. You say, Brother Brandon, that is foolish and childish. I don't know what hit me. I'm thankful his wife parked there instead of me parking there. But can I tell you, I'm not the pastor of the church. I'm not the choir leader of the church. I'm not the greeter of the church. But the reason we have such a great church is there's a lot of people that found out that these things cannot be missing from their life. And when they found out they cannot be missing, they worked on it personally. Sunday school teachers, Miss Kathy testified earlier about Miss Harper. Right back there right now, Miss Darlene's teaching, Miss Natalie's helping. Such children's church. Juice boxes, crackers, Sunday school, people that you say, Brother Brandon, I can't do that no more. No, but because you were that for me, now I can be that for somebody else. Isaac looked over what they had that day and he said, I see the fire. I see the wood, I see the knife, where's the sacrifice? Daddy, something's missing, and it ain't going to work without it. Brother Brandon, I want God to use my life. I want God to grow our church. Can I tell you, when Brother Brandon Jones nails down his salvation, nails down his faithfulness, nails down his separation, nails down his loyalty, God will do something at our church. But everybody has to do that. Can I encourage you this morning? I thank you for those that have been that in my life. Young people, can I tell you, that's what it's going to take to keep you, Miss Maddie, doing this for the next 50 years, is making sure something's not missing in your life. We're standing. She's playing. She may sing if she chose, chooses to. Say, Brother Brandon, that message wasn't for me, and that's fine. It was for me to remind me as well. But can I tell you, look in your life. If something's missing, it's not shameful. It's not something to be downhearted or hang your head about. It's something to work on. Am I saved? Do I know for sure heaven's going to be my home? That's the most important thing we can get settled this morning. Have you ever trusted Christ 
as your Savior. Brother Brandon, I'm sitting beside this person. I'm sitting beside this person. I wouldn't let that person send me to hell. I wouldn't let that person rob me of salvation. Are you faithful? Brother Brandon, it's hard. I get it. Are you faithful? Are you separated? Is there something different beside than you, than the person at Walmart? Not talking about you're holier than thou, but is there something different they can see in your life? If not, you're not going to be effective. And then number four, how's our loyalty? I want to be loyal to the Lord. I want to be loyal to my pastor. I want to be loyal to the things of Christ. And then God will help us, and only then. I said earlier, and I say this in closing, only God can help us in these four areas. Only God can provide a sacrifice. Isaac knew something was missing. And I wonder if we'll be honest this morning and examine our life and find those missing pieces. Lord, we thank you this morning. God, as Miss Caitlin begins to sing or whatever she wants to do for a verse, I'm thankful this morning, God, that you've been here. God, this morning, I thank you for the choir singing. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to preach this morning. I pray that something's been said, God, that'll help our hearts. God, I know it's hard, God, to, to be here. God, to be faithful. God, to be loyal. God, to be separated. I know what we're living in, God, but I'm thankful, God, these four ingredients have been proven for many years to go and many years to come. They'll stand true, and may we all apply them to our life and fix what's missing in our life. Every head bowed and every eye closed if she wants to sing a verse or something that's... Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world to equip the saints of God for service and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service and every second Sunday night of each month we have what's called an eat and meet service after our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, The Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is 
the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, you believe Jesus died for your sins and if you asked him to save you then the Bible declares you've been saved if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior then you've been forgiven of all your sin Romans 8 1 declares there is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit once a person has been saved they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.